Welcome to The Gathering Podcast. This podcast is all about helping you experience the abundant life that Jesus promised. We do this through stories, teachings, and testimonies about God's unyielding faithfulness. Through the end of this season, we'll be hearing testimonies from a number of our congregation members, young, old, and everywhere in between. This week, Peter Varberg had the opportunity to interview David and Shelley Alvarado. Now, David and Shelley have been married for over 30 years, so their testimonies are very tied together. That said, they both have their own unique walks with the Lord, so we'll be hearing from them individually. This first week, we hear from Dave, whose testimony echoes of the many who have had to walk through addiction with the Lord, but who can thankfully claim victory today with Jesus. I'm happy to introduce you to Dave as we go to Peter's interview with him now. I uh, I don't know if you've had the the honor of meeting Dave Alvarado, but I connect with Dave because we're both kind of jokers. I remember one one Sunday when I realized I really like this guy. My Prius's catalytic converter had just gotten stolen, like that the day before, and then I'm having lunch outside with friends, and Dave walks by looking really suspicious, and he whispers, he says, "Hey guys." Anyone need a catalytic converter? I just got one. <laughs> and I was like, yep, this guy's funny. <laughs> but uh, Dave, for those that may not have met you, what would be like a, a simple intro of who you are and, and a little bit of your backstory, like the, the short version? I've been self-employed gardener, landscaper, tree trimmer for going on 42 years. Been married to my wife, Shelley, for almost 31 years. Brought up as a military dependent, so we moved a lot. My sister was born in Japan. We've been all over the world. But How long have you been in San Diego? Probably about 56 years. Awesome. And then how long have you been coming to the gathering? Uh, it'll be two years, August 29th. Awesome. Because, yeah, I know that your connection with the gathering is a big part of your story, so we'll get into that more. But I know as we were talking about this, you had shared a lot of some significant le- decisions and, and life events that have got you to sort of this rock bottom moment in your life um, where God did a really significant work and kind of shifted things. And I know now it's cool hearing you talk about your life and the gratitude you have for where you are, but I'd love to kind of hear that story of what were some of the things from your childhood early adulthood, some of the decisions that you made that kind of brought you to that rock bottom place? I was 28 years old and I was feeling old. So I ended up marrying my neighborhood girlfriend, which turned out to be disastrous from day Mm. one. After a couple of years, I healed. I uh, joined a snow ski club and I met my wife, Shelly, there. And we became friends and went bike riding. And I, I knew there was something special about this person. So she became my significant And we dated for, I think, a year and a half. She would know a lot better. But then we ended up getting married. Um, We've been married for 31 years, like I had said. We uh, started going to a big church in Maranatha, I think 23 years. And it was a blessing. So when you guys got married, you weren't saved at that point? No, the first year was very rocky. And a friend of ours had mentioned a church by our neighborhood. So we started going to that church. And Mm -hmm. uh, it did help a lot. And then I ended up just becoming a, a ritual Christian, going to church on Sunday and not really going beyond that. So God was a part of your life. Church was a part of your life, but that was about as far as it went. Yeah, it was It was just kind of 
surface superficial. In that season, what were some of the things that started coming up or some of the sin in your life that was surfacing? I had an addiction with the stock market. Mm. I uh, day traded, swing traded, wish I would have traded, didn't trade at the right time. So it became like a, it was a narcotic for me and it was a very unpleasant, very hard on the marriage. It actually uh, almost dissolved the marriage. I had to make some big changes. Had a surprise intervention with family and friends. I sat there attentively and listened because I knew it was very important. I I had to get rid of friends. I had to get rid of acquaintances. I had to make a big change in my life where my life was going to be, as my father would say, I would be living in my apartment looking out my balcony with my phone. So mm. one of the first big things I had to do is get rid of a smartphone. Wow. Very hard to live with the flip phone. As you know, texting is pretty hard. I made the right changes. I called all my friends and told them I needed to work on my marriage because that was more important than doing things with them. I did get rid of my phone. I started attending meetings, invested all my money in annuity, which is untouchable for a while, which was a good thing to do. So as my wife would say, I hit a home run with all the things that I did. It was a little hard the first couple of years with not talking to friends anymore. And I realized I wasn't the same person because I had stopped drinking a couple of years before that. And, and they couldn't really accept that I wasn't the same old person, but I wasn't to them. Mm. So... Like that part of you wasn't there anymore, the the getting drunk, drinking side of you, and that's what they couldn't accept? Yeah, they couldn't accept. I, I remember to the day when I got on my knees and prayed to take away the desire to drink. Mm. And it was very easy after that because I chose my marriage over alcohol, and my life got better. So I remember one time when we were separated, I uh, took off to the Sierras like I normally do, and I was in a little area with not much phone service. And I called up a friend and he had told me to put God first and not Shelly first, put him in my thoughts and my marriage would take care of itself. And then he was at hundred percent, right. It worked out. We're still seeing a marriage counselor, but he's actually our friend now. So it's a blessing. And I look forward to seeing him every two weeks. You know, mm. it sounds kind of weird to say you've been seeing a marriage counselor for 10 years. And I'm like, I'm proud of it. I love it. Wow. And he gives us the tools to do the repairs or to eliminate the problems. Wow. So the story, if I'm hearing you right, obviously felt old at 28, got in this relationship that didn't work out, met Shelly, got married, and then there were certain things like alcohol that you got a lot into with that friend group you were a part of, and then the stock market. And over time, that got to a place where that was when you went through a separation with Shelly? Yes. And then you had that intervention, kind of surprise intervention with friends and family that that kind of helped you make those severe changes in your life? It's it's almost like it, was, it wasn't the rock bottom because I know I could go farther than the position that I was in, mm. but that was far enough down for me. I wanted to come up and breathe. I wanted to come up and renew my life. It sounds like there was that. And praise the Lord that you didn't get to the rock bottom. I, I see themes a lot of times in testimonies, and there's a lot of people that they don't get so far gone, but then they see the light and they make the change. Others, they allow themselves to get deeper and deeper. I feel like it's just once the pain of what's going on gets great enough, they finally make the change. Mm. So for you, a lot of it was 
your marriage, it sounds like. That became your priority after that. You know, you were able to cut out those relationships, cut out the alcohol, get rid of the smartphone, you know, move all the money over in annuities because for you, Shelly was a priority. And then it sounds like there was a second shift when you went on this trip and then your friend challenged you to put God first, even above Shelly. Can you talk about what was the difference there between, you know, some of the changes you made putting Shelly first and, and what was that aha moment when you said, okay, I'll put God first. What were some of those changes? I thought I was in control and I wasn't in control. And I thought that everything would be okay if I did what I needed to do, but I was just not a changed person. I admit that I have addictive behaviors. I, I always want something or I want to do something. It, it's hard to be still for me. It's hard mm. just to enjoy the flowers or the place I'm at. I'm always constantly thinking, but I am learning to enjoy the beauty and to slow down and just to stop. But I have to force myself to do that mm. because I'm constantly thinking about what needs to be done next. Got it. Cause yeah, I, I love hearing the, the changes that you made, but similar to some of the other stories we've talked about recently, it's like, it's not necessarily everybody needs to cut out the same things, but for you, based on your personality and what they had meant in your life. It was very healing to cut out those things completely. I know you shared the other day, you're like, I won't even have a thimble full of alcohol, just even a tiny little bit of it, because for you, it needs to be completely out. years ago coming this August 29th was the day that we started going to the gathering. It was the first night that the gathering was merging with mm. Grace Chapel. And it was cool because we didn't know anybody, but we didn't need to know anybody because it was two church gatherings together so we could just blend in. And uh, the gathering has been probably one of the biggest changes in both of my life and my wife's life was just the congregation, the shepherds, the, the mature Christians that I haven't used to see at my other church. I knew a lot of people, but it was not deep. I get excited to come to church. You know, God was a part of your life. You went to church. You were even involved in security ministry and things like that. So you're around people. You had a lot of these relationships. You were a church goer, so to say. But all these things in your life were all awry, and, and you were making these decisions. And thankfully, God started that transformation process and cutting those things out of your life. But then once you started coming to the gathering, it's not that one church is better than the other, but for you, there was a piece of this community. What was different for you? Like, what were some of the things about? Well, when I met Bill and George, they were just regular guys and mm. they were approachable. They, you could talk to them about anything. And I remember going up talking to George, and I said, hey, Shelly and I are thinking about going to a home gathering. He goes, come to mine. If you don't like it, I'll find you another one. I thought that was so classic when he said that. I'll find you another one. Mm -hmm. So we started going to the pigeons. It was such a blessing, and especially with Frederick's words, are just so wise, filled with wisdom, filled from his heart. He's open to expressing his feelings. And uh, I told him one time, I says, if you were in the Bible, you'd be a Proverbs 32. Because mm. <laughs> he's just 
he's amazing. Wow. And he's very humble too, so I'm real careful about not giving him too much credit, but he deserves all of it. <laughs> wow. So for you, just seeing people with strong, mature faith that weren't necessarily in the spotlight or untouchable, but actual people that you could have relationships with and, and go up and talk to after church, that was a big thing for you. 100% because it's not like they only had five minutes. I mean, I spoke to several people and it would be like a 45-minute conversation and they were really listening. And I've learned to do that also, to be a better listener. It's a daily process for me because I think I know the answer, but it's not always the answer, so I need to just listen. It's been a test, but it's a good test. Yeah, what are the things about the gathering? Obviously, being able to connect with Bill and, and George, going to a home gathering, what else? Just the people. And I don't think I've ever seen a church with so many kids, and I mm. love kids. And today was my first day to, to help out in the children's ministry, and it just brought joy to my heart again just to hear them talk to little kids. And, and I even learned some stuff, too, I'm kind of embarrassed to say today, just listening. It was awesome, and it was my wife's idea. I'd done it before, but it'd been probably like four years ago. Mm. So, Different community, different church, and wanted to give it a try again. That's awesome. Amen. Yeah, isn't it crazy how those simple little Bible stories for kids can really speak to us? Exactly. That's cool. What were some of the other changes that you made? Obviously, there were ways externally that the people here, the community here, the leaders here impacted you. But it sounds like you were still in that space of making those changes in your life. Obviously, with any sin, get the the flip phone, you know, remove those friends from our life that we go drinking with. But there's still that temptation. There's still those challenges, I guess. What, how has God continued to heal you in that process? I just need to trust Him. I know we're doing the, uh, the yearly Bible. Yeah. I was listening to one of George's old, old podcasts this morning, and he's talking about when he gets a day behind. But when you're doing the year-old Bible, if you have to skip that day, go to the day that's present. And it's really helped me just to stay connected. And if you're not trusting the Lord, well, like it says here, it says, if you only pray when you're in trouble, then you're in trouble. Mm. Because I try to emphasize to myself, I have lots of things to be blessed about and lots of things to look forward to. And I can't say I have peace all the time, but I do feel blessed. We're doing a home gathering and uh, I got two friends that are teaching it, but it's such a blessing just to have people's blessings and people's needs and their prayers prayed about. I love it. That's so cool how now you're creating that environment in your home. And God's created a space or a safe space that you can provide for others to come experience the same transformation mm. that you experienced. Exactly. It's like I tell people at our group, there's people that haven't even joined our church yet that will probably join our home gathering. And, mm. that, and I look forward to that, meeting a new name and a new face and a new story. That's awesome. And I guess for you, it sounds like one of the big themes in your story was coming from a bigger church where you participated, but you weren't involved or you weren't integrated. So you could just come and then you could go and you might have served, you might have been there, you might have been somewhat consistent. But I guess what was it about having a smaller, close-knit community that was impactful? Was it the accountability? Was it just having the meaningful relationships? What would you say is the big difference with a church? 
Well, it was a different format. This church here, the gathering, the people are just so genuine and so open. And I mean, I've had people come to my house. George even came over to my house to help me get a ping pong table out of the truck. It was amazing. The guy, Tim Wickham, has come over and run some tractor work at my property. Just, I'm not looking for favors, but when they say, just ask me, they mean just ask me. And it's true friendship. It's true being a Christian. I've learned so much from just this last two years from the people that I'm able to share with other people. I mean, my walk is so much stronger now just with the foundation of the gathering and the belief and the strong faith that people have in this church. And I like to emulate that. I guess what would be some takeaways or some nuggets that you would share with with listeners, maybe people that were in that season that you were at where they might have been going to church, but they're feeling all this pain. Maybe they're letting sin run rampant in their life and they think, oh, it's not that bad, you know, or there's these things going on. What would you share with people in that scenario that might have been who you were back before you sort of hit that rock bottom moment? Well, you know, I used to think that I'd never stop drinking, but I prayed about it and the desire was taken away. I used to think I'd never stop the stock market. I looked at it a hundred times a day. And now that I don't look at it, I have peace. And now that I don't drink, I have clarity. I think that my life has grown a lot, but I have a lot more growing to do. I see that I still have scales on my eyes, I I say to myself, but the scales keep falling off. Mm. I keep seeing clear. My sister is a super strong Christian, and it's so amazing with her faith, with times of trouble, times of medical, times of the unknown. And she's always sending me scriptures, Mm. and it just gives you a peace. Yeah, Dave, so it sounds like for you, in that season of struggling with those, obviously, like you mentioned, you kind of have an addictive personality. So there are certain things that kind of, it's easy for you to get caught into and you would get stuck thinking, man, this is always going to be there. There's no way I could find freedom from this. And it sounds like in your life, when you brought that to God and you prayed, he provided a way out. Well, I think of the book of, I always say it wrong, but Ecclesiastes, about it's all meaningless, the toil, the work, the worry, and all this stuff. And a lot of times it's all meaningless. And then we were talking one night at the study, and George had said, what you think is important might not be important to God. And a little light went on in my head. Duh, this is not important. Why am I putting so much effort and thought into something that is meaningless? Wow. So that shift in perspective around those things that were so important in your life realizing it wasn't necessarily important to God, allowed you to let go of them? Yeah, it's. I'm probably getting in trouble with my wife for this, but she'll be saying something to me, but I'm just not hearing her. But then someone else will give me that idea, the same thing she has said, and the light goes on in my head. Mm. And it's, that's the answer. And then she'll say, I've been telling you that answer. <laughs> so awesome. So if anyone's listening and is caught in something that they don't see a way out or don't... Uh, understand how that 
sin or that addiction could ever leave their life. Pray, ask God to to take that desire away. And I guess for you, David, looking at some of the other things, when you, what do you think you'd tell people that might be just attending church? <laughs> maybe they're even coming here to the gathering, or maybe they're going to the gathering in a couple other churches, and they're just kind of participating, attending, but haven't really plugged in the way that you and Shelly really got connected when you came here, what encouragement would you have for them? I think that you would have to examine your heart rather than examine what you're thinking, because your heart is going to tell you the right thing to do if you listen to it. And you need to listen to, I need to listen to the Lord, because He has plans for me that I don't know, and I'm not worried about that. It says, Worry does not take away tomorrow's problems, but it takes away today's peace. And we all, I think we all, worry sometimes or all the time. And worry is a separation from God. It's a sin. And we and we know the right answer, but a lot of times we don't follow the right answer. So I think that for me, I need to just get the right tools. I need to talk to the right people. I need to take one day at a time rather than I've seen so many people be sober or something for 60 days and have to start over. And I try to be positive with that because it's just a day. It's just a number. It doesn't, it's not that important. It's just for me, one day at a time. And I've made that decision not to fall. And I feel that I won't if I just keep the Lord centered. I keep the Lord in my thoughts and don't get separated from him. Stay connected. I love that, Dave. Like you shared earlier in your story, it was putting God first, even though you'd made all these changes to put Shelly first and your marriage first, putting God above that, surrendering, no longer choosing to be the one in control of your life. It sounds like that connects a lot with your worry statement. I love that. Worry doesn't take away the problems of tomorrow, but it takes away the peace of today. And when we surrender to God and we fully trust him, we don't have to worry because we're understand that he's sovereign. It's not that we don't take action in our lives, (laughs) but that worry, that stress, that loss of peace, it is a sin because you're choosing not to trust the Lord. What would be some ways that they could get some tools? Like you said, you, you just need the tools and it's helped you consistently. What would be a place to start for someone looking for some tools? For one would be seek wise counsel. For two, my wife and I have a thing that's called, are you clean? So she'll ask me if I'm clean, and I have to answer yes or no. You know, if I've been doing something that's not right or looking at the market or doing something that's not godly, I I will have to answer. So it's so much easier for me just to say I'm clean than unclean. So one day at a time works for me, trusting in the Lord and looking for that inner peace, looking for that blessing that Lord has to give to us. Look forward to each day of just being alive in Christ. That's awesome, Dave. So it sounds like the steps, obviously, seek some wise counsel, find some people further along in the journey than you that you can talk to. Sounds like the getting clean thing with Shelly is is some form of accountability. As a coach, I do it all the time with clients, help them either create a system or find a person that can hold us accountable. So that's your system with Shelly, where you just say, "Are you?" or she says, are you clean? And that kind of covers all the ground for you with, with your sin struggle. 
So that might be someone that's the wise counsel that's holding you accountable. Or like you, it might be your wife, your spouse, someone else significant in your life. And then you said one day at a time, don't put the pressure of changing your life all at once. Even for you, like you said, those addictions were things you thought you might struggle with the rest of your life, but now it's just one day. And then lastly, it sounded like releasing the control over to God, letting go of the worry, because that's really what worry is. You're trying to control something you can't control. So the more you can let go of that and trust God, the more freedom and joy you'll have in each day. Amen. Awesome, Dave. Any final thoughts for us before we go? Yeah, I would recommend that you find, seek out a home gathering and find the right one that works for you. It is such a blessing, like I'd spoken earlier about just being connected with the family. And I feel like I've been in the family for quite a while at the gathering, but it's only been less than two years. Mm. But for the spiritual growth that my wife and I have both gotten is just awesome. Wow. Well, thanks so much for being willing to share, Dave. Thank you, Peter. See ya. See ya.